dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're sharing some upcoming book releases we're looking forward to, then pairing backlist titles that are easier to get from the library. Listeners, we're constantly blown away by your support for our show. Thank you so much for taking the time to share it with your friends. Here's a recent review that made us smile. Tori Dunlap says, I listen to this podcast every week, whether or not I have read or ever plan to read the classic they are discussing. From Sarah and Chelsea, I am learning to better describe the books I'm reading. Hearing them talk about plot, character, themes, and tone is helping me read like an English teacher. Beyond, I liked it or I didn't like it. They do make the classics accessible, so I am also encouraged to pick up novels I probably wouldn't have otherwise. The pairings are of particular interest to me as they give me a way to understand the classic better and to pick up a modern counterpart. Novel Pairings is a wonderful podcast for all readers who like to go deep. Love for the classics, not required. It has enriched my reading life and given me a reason to smile when I wake up on Tuesdays. I feel like Tori just really gets us <laughs> in this review. <laughs> <I agree. laughs> and if you want to support Novel Pairings, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod or subscribe to our newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com. Or please consider shopping our affiliate links to pre-order or purchase a couple of books you hear about today. And I am so excited to chat about these books with you, Chelsea. Me too. I really enjoy figuring out which upcoming titles are exciting to us. I love hearing from you what you're looking forward to and sharing some surprises back and forth. And then, of course, it's really fun to think about which books might be comparable and which books might pair well with these buzzy new releases. So I'm super excited to talk winter releases today. Yeah, me too. And our pairings for these are are fun and a little bit different because unless otherwise noted, we haven't read these books. We're just excited about them. So our pairings are more guesses. And then it's fun to read the books and see if we had the right idea going in. Yes, that's a great caveat to share at the top of the show (laughs) that most of these are books that we haven't read. The backlist pairings typically we try and recommend books that we have read and can wholeheartedly recommend, but these are our anticipated winter reads. So yeah, we have, we reserve the right to change our minds. Uh, Totally. And I have read a few of these. I usually don't read ahead. Um, unlike some other book bloggers and podcasters who just do a fantastic job keeping up with new releases before they're released. But for some reason, I've read a handful of January books. I think I was ready to make my best of 2020 list in mid-December. And I was like, okay, I'll just start reading 2021 books. So I'm not tempted to put them on my 2020 best of list. Oh, bookworm problems. (laughs) All right, Chelsea. Well, let's just dive into these. So we'll tell you a little bit about the anticipated release We'll let you know if we have read it, but mostly this is just what we understand and why we're excited. And then we will pair them with a backlist title that sounds similar to us that we love and might be easier for you to track down in paperback or get from the library. Yes. And we use backlist quite loosely. Typically, backlist refers to books that are by an author, but that it's not the most recent one that they've published. In this case, we're just saying backlist are books that are published maybe a year ago or later, but we are pretty broad with that term. (laughs) Yeah, I actually feel like backlist means something different depending on what part of the book industry you're in. Like I had a bookseller tell me that they consider backlist anything that's like three months old because it's not the books that they're like pushing at the bookstore as the brand new releases. So yeah, I think from an author perspective, whatever your newest book is front list, even if it's three years old, if you're a bookseller, then like books that are six months old and are starting to 
you know, make their way off the new release shelf and onto the regular shelves are backlist. Anyways, this is super nerdy, (laughs) but kind of fun. I like to hear the behind the scenes stuff. So, (laughs) all right, let's get into it. Okay. This first one is already out. It released on January 5th and it is getting a ton of buzz. I reserved a copy from the library, so I'm excited for that hold to come in. The Push by Ashley Audrain is a psychological drama thriller. It's a page turner. Huge bidding war for the rights over the movie for this book and for the book in general, I think. And it's just getting a ton of buzz. I haven't seen it so much circulating on Bookstagram yet. I've seen it more in just like general book recommendations, lots of articles about this huge blowout book of the season. I'm really excited to read it. It's about a woman who basically thinks that her child is evil. Like that's what it boils down to. And people don't believe her. She's questioning if it's all in her head, but she's pretty sure that her kid is really, really bad. So it's really intense. It's an examination of motherhood and family. And from what I've heard, it's just unlike anything people have ever read and that it's worth the hype. So I'm really excited to read it. But what stood out to me is a few descriptions of this as a literary mystery. And I think that this is an emerging genre that we're going to see quite a bit of. Mysteries, thrillers that read a little bit more like literary fiction. They have some more literary elements. Maybe that means that there's really solid character development or some deeper themes. So to pair with this one, if you're waiting for the push from the library, I highly recommend Long Bright River by Liz Moore, which I would also file under Literary Mysteries. It is an examination of family and opioid addiction And it is just a a solid, somewhat procedural mystery. It's really page-turning. I actually really liked it on audio, but definitely has that more literary flavor to it and is another book that I thought was totally worth the hype that it was receiving. So I'm really excited for The Push by Ashley Audrain, but in the meantime, I would recommend Long Bright River by Liz Moore. I loved Long Bright River. And I'm very excited to read The Push. It also sounds to me like maybe a Gillian Flynn type thriller. I would call Gillian Flynn's books literary thrillers. I don't think that term was really around um, when Gone Girl was at its height. But using thriller conventions to offer commentary on women's lives is like right in the Gillian Flynn playbook. And I, I love that. What is on your January buzzy new release list, Sarah? So my first one is one that I have already read. It also came out January 5th. It is Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripor. And this one is another one getting a ton of buzz. I think the push was picked for the Good Morning America book club. Black Buck has been selected as a Read with Jenna book. So these are both books that like you mentioned, Chelsea, they're out in the the book world getting lots of attention. Black Buck is about a young man, 22, 23-year-old black man named Darren, who works at a Starbucks in an office building. And he's the manager there. He's really good at it. He was the valedictorian of his high school, but never ended up going to college for reasons that are kind of explored in the book. And he's just pretty satisfied with his life. He loves his girlfriend. He still lives with his mom. He makes decent money at Starbucks, enough to like help his mom pay rent. And so he's just not particularly ambitious. And then one day this man, a a regular at his Starbucks, wants to start talking to him about his career ambitions. And this man works on the top floor of the building the Starbucks is in at a startup company that has like the craziest startup culture. That kind of stuff is really fun to read about, I think. And and so Darren gets kind of swept up in this company culture and it ends up changing his life and it changes him a lot. 
This book is satire and it is funny, but also cringy and also blunt and and brutal at times. The language isn't always easy to read. There's lots of use of the R word and the N word. So I wouldn't recommend this book to everyone, but if you like biting satire, the satire in this is extremely well done. And it really critiques so much of contemporary American culture from racial issues to capitalist values. And I just, I thought it was really, like I said, well done. Hard to read at times, but a great, great debut. And I would pair this with Members Only by Samir Pandaya, which I think I talked about on one of our superlative episodes, maybe best audiobooks of the year. Another scathing, cringy satire about race and contemporary America. I uh, Satire is hit or miss for me. These both, I thought, did a really great job. And I think these two books, if like books could sit down and have a conversation, <laughs> they would have a really good one. So that's Black Buck and Members Only. I'm not going to be able to get that image out of my head of books having a conversation with each other. (laughs) They belong next to each other on the shelf for sure. (laughs) I'm going to lighten things up a little bit with my next January release here. And this is one that I have downloaded on my Kindle. I just haven't read it yet. So I will report back. But I have been really excited for Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant. And this is pitched as Jane the Virgin meets To All the Boys I've Loved Before. It's a charming romantic comedy. It's a young adult novel. And it just sounds completely charming and adorable. It also is, according to the blurb, filled with black girl magic. So we have 16-year-old Tessa Johnson, and she has just never seen herself as the heroine of her own life. You know, that fun phrase (laughs) that us bookish (laughs) ladies like to toss around. She loves romance novels, but she hasn't really seen herself in very many of them. And so she writes her own swoony love stories. And she only shares them with her best friend, Caroline. But then she gets accepted to a creative writing program at a fancy art school. And she finally decides, I'm going to let my writing be seen by the world. But she goes to her first workshop and she just, boom, hits writer's block. Her words are gone. And her friend Caroline says, well, you know, you've never really been in love before. So maybe you need some real life experience in order to inform your writing and get your mojo back. So Tessa decides she is going to make a list with Caroline And all of these are romance novel inspired things to do on this checklist so that she can meet some Prince Charmings and have more fodder for her romance novels. But of course, as she checks off the list, she starts to feel less like herself. She runs the risk of ruining some really great relationships that she has. And it just sounds completely adorable. And Netflix needs to get this and turn it into a cute rom-com movie ASAP. It sounds so cute. So that is Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant. And it is young adult. So I'm thinking it's probably not super open door romance. But if you want a steamier alternative that also involves a checklist, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert is a really fun one and sounds like it would be a good fit right here. Oh, that's a great pairing. I like that that you went with the checklist element to pair them. It sounds so cute. I love a list. I love romance. I am really excited for that book. And a book about a writer. I mean, that one sounds so in your wheelhouse. Absolutely. Okay. I think that we have a couple more January books to share here. What is your next one, Sarah? January is a big month for books. Also released on January 5th was Outlawed by Anna North. And I actually started this one. I'm not very far, but I am really enjoying it. So 
It is a Western. The protagonist is 17-year-old Ada. And at the at the very beginning, like in the first 10 pages, this is not spoilery at all. She gets married and she's excited about her new married life. She works as an assistant to her mother, who's a midwife, which is something she really loves doing, helping other women in her community. But after a year of marriage, Ada has not gotten pregnant. And in this town, women who can't have children or struggle to get pregnant are suspected of being witches. And it's assumed that if they remain in this town, they might prohibit other women from getting pregnant as well. And so Ada has to run away. And she ends up at a couple of different places on her escape, but she eventually finds herself teaming up with a gang of outlaws. This book is, I think, marketed as being like really kind of fun and quirky. And it is, but I mean, tons of content warnings in here. If infertility or pregnancy loss is a sensitive subject, this book is almost 100% about that. And I wish that I had known a little bit more of the heaviness of this book going in. So I do want to give that as a a content warning for, for our listeners. This book, though, is doing such interesting things with that topic, and it's exploring gender and gender identity in in many ways, in terms of motherhood, in terms of how people... Um, existed in this very gendered Western America culture. And I really think that Anna North is exploring things in, in such a fascinating way that I'm I'm really on board for it. I'm really, I'm liking this one. I have seen it talked about in conversation with True Grit by Charles Portis, which makes a ton of sense because Ada is a lot like Maddie and her kind of no-nonsense, plucky heroine. But I also think I would pair it with Days Without End by Sebastian Barry, which is another Western that explores queer relationships and gender in the through the tropes of Western novels. Very different tone. Days Without End is much more um, slow and earnest and reflective and so far outlawed feels a little bit more fast-paced adventure but they're doing similar things with exploring gender through westerns so that's outlawed by anna north that sounds really good i'm putting that one on my list now and the next one on your list i'm also really excited about so please continue okay <laughs> this is another one i've read so i read the house on vesper sands by Pariah O'Donnell. It came out January 12th, so it's out as of this episode dropping. And I love weird Victorian stuff. (laughs) And that's basically what this book is. It is a mystery. It begins when a seamstress throws herself off a three-story building, and she does this because she's trying to draw attention to something horrifying that is happening in and around London. And it, I mean, this book starts with a bang, but then it becomes a really slow burn. And it probably takes until about page 100 for the mystery to really pick up. So that's um, that's something to know going in, but it is worth the wait. This book has three main protagonists. There's a... Um, kind of gruff detective, very, you know, just like your classic British detective. There's a young man who stumbles into being this detective's assistant. And there is a female journalist who has been told she can really only write about lady things and wants to be a quote unquote real journalist. And so she is pursuing this case. The case really is that Missing women are going missing from around London. And it gets a little bit 
eerie and otherworldly. Victorian spiritualism as a practice is featured prominently in this book. And so if you like a touch of supernatural with your mysteries, this is a good one. It reads like a Victorian novel. O'Donnell writes like a Victorian author with big words and complex sentences, and I loved it. I think a great pairing would be anything by Sarah Waters, but my personal favorite is Fingersmith by Sarah Waters, which I also feel um, reads like a Victorian novel. Her book, The Little Stranger, might be a better pairing because of the supernatural element, but I like Fingersmith better, so I'll just throw them both out there. So that's The House on (laughs) Vesper Sands and Everything by Sarah Waters. We make the rules here. We can give as many recommendations (laughs) as we want. All right, Chelsea, what is your next anticipated book? This is another one that came out on January 12th and falls under the literary mystery category. I'm really excited about all these literary mysteries coming out. So this is also described as a rural noir, which intrigues me. It is The Captive by Fiona King Foster. And this book is about a secessionist rural state that has basically cut itself off from all other civilization. So it's really harsh to live there but the people who are there sort of consider themselves free from any of the constraints of society. And Brooke Holland is the main character. She runs a farm with her husband and two daughters. They barely harvest enough to feed themselves, and it's it's just a really hard life, but Brooke is really happy with the peace that she's found in this community. And she has a violent history and a secret that she is keeping. So there is an escaped criminal that attacks the farm and her sort of buried talents come to the surface and she basically subdues him and he brings up her past in some really interesting ways. Of course, secrets are going to come to light and basically they, she ends up going on this journey across a really harsh landscape. Winter starts to set in, so there's this survival element to the story. And it just sounds really page-turning, but of course, sort of haunting, and I'm sure there are some really interesting themes being explored here. It sounds really good. So a book that I would like to pair with this, I think it's, I would call it, lesser known, is Scribe by Alison Hagee. This is a book from Grey Wolf Press, so it's from a small, a smaller press, which is perhaps why it's lesser known, but I thought this book was really interesting. It is maybe similarly like survivalist fiction. It's haunting and sort of follows after a brutal civil war has ravaged the country, Fevers have claimed a lot of people. It's very post-apocalyptic. And so it basically centers around this woman who is a scribe. And she is one of the only people around who can, can write. And she makes paper and she makes ink and she writes letters for people. But she gets an unusual request. Her past comes to haunt her. She sets off on a journey It's very fever dream-ish, and it also draws on the folktales of Appalachia, so I think that that's really interesting, but it sounds like it would be a really good pairing for The Captive by Fiona King Foster, so that is Scribe by Alison Hagee. Those both sound really good, and you gifted me a copy of Scribe, I think for my birthday, and I still need to read it. It sounds so good. It's very, I would say, if you can get to it this winter, because it's very like wintry, atmospheric, very bleak. So if you, it's pretty short too. So if you're in that kind of winter reading mood, I think that you'd end up liking that one. Okay. I'm excited. All right. My next one, my anticipated book. This one is so 
in my wheelhouse (laughs) that it almost makes me nervous to read it. It's The Divines by Ellie Eaton. This book is about an all-girls school called St. John the Divine, which is an English boarding school, and it primarily follows a protagonist named Josephine. She is in her 30s. She really hasn't been in touch with anyone from her boarding school past, and we learn from the back description that the school has been, quote, shuttered in disgrace. So I think that that is kind of hanging from the from the way the book is described. It sounds like that question mark, that mystery is held over our heads as, as we read. And Josephine is thinking about her past at this school. She finds herself actually returning to the school to see if some memories will come back to her, and they do. So it sounds like, I mean, I love an all-girls school setting. Sounds like there's some um, kind of scandal and mystery here. But I also just love books that are about memory and how we remember our pasts and how we kind of create a narrative out of our memories to try and help us make sense of our past and our history. And according to the back cover of this book, Eaton probes us to consider how our memories as adults compel us to re-examine our pasts. And that is exactly the kind of book I love. So I am really excited to read The Divines. And I just got an email today that I was approved for a copy of it. So I will be reading it soon. And it sounds like it would pair so well with one of my favorite books of last year, The Illness Lesson by Claire Beams, which is also about women's education and expectations and memory. And I'm not going to say that much more about The Illness Lesson because I've talked about it a lot. (laughs) And I still think I'm like the only person who likes it, but I'm just going to keep pushing it on people. (laughs) All right. Oh, I guess the next one is one of mine as well, our last January book, and this is one I've read. So I guess I really didn't think about this when we were putting this list together, but I've read a lot of these. So A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes is out January 26th. This is one, it's been out in the UK for a while. So if you are a listener from abroad, this may not be a new release for you but it's coming out in the U.S. It was long-listed, maybe even short-listed for the Women's Prize for Fiction, which is not surprising because that prize loves mythology retellings. They just cannot get enough of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel the same. So A Thousand Ships is a retelling of the Iliad. It takes place really, I guess, in the last year of the the Trojan War, towards the end of the Trojan War. And it's told through the perspective of women and all women. And so there are um, some chapters from the perspective of some of the royal Trojan royalty who is now going to be sent back with the Greek army as slaves and concubines. There are perspectives from the goddesses who instigated this war There are perspectives from well-known figures like Penelope, Odysseus's wife, and it's really well-written and well-done. I mean, I I think you have to like mythology to like this book. I wouldn't recommend this even just to like a historical fiction lover. I think that having like the mythological context was pretty key, even though she gives you a character list in the beginning. She's riffing on a lot of our ideas and concepts about myth and what it means to be a hero. And so, yeah, I I thought it was really well done. I would pair it with The Silence of the Girls, except A Thousand Chips is basically what I wanted The Silence of the Girls to be. So if you read that and you, like me, were disappointed because too many of the chapters were from Achilles's perspective— and the book is called The Silence of the Girls. <laughs> you might like A Thousand Ships. I would also pair it with one of my favorite books from growing up, which is Troy by Adele 
Jurass, I think. Is, I loved that book. I love that book. It's it's YA, right? I It was in the YA section of my library yeah. when I read it, but I was maybe a little too young for it, and I felt like I shouldn't be reading it. Which is probably... Because <laughs> it's pretty gory and is. sexy. Yes, absolutely. I loved that book. I think that was one of the first books that got me interested in probably mythology in general, but definitely myth retellings. And A Thousand Ships feels like a more um, grown-up literary version of of Troy. But that makes me actually want to reread that book. I think I might have to go down to my mom's and grab it off her shelves. That sounds like a fun, fun, cozy winter project. <laughs> Snow day reading. Yes. All right. What is your first anticipated February release? The Removed by Brandon Hobson comes out on February 2nd. And I'm really excited about it. This is a book that combines Cherokee myth and history with a complicated family story. So Brandon Hobson is a National Book Award finalist. I think he's a really great writer, but I don't think he has gotten as much of the attention as he deserves quite yet. I I hope he does with this book. I'm really looking forward to reading it. It is... 15 years since this family's teenage son, Ray Ray, was killed in a police shooting. And his family has basically just been paused in grief. It's almost like time has stopped. And the mother is struggling with the onset of um, her husband's Alzheimer's. Sonia is uh, their grown daughter, and she is extremely introverted, but every now and then she gets obsessed with a romantic pursuit and their son, Edgar, left home and has been addicted to drugs. So this family is struggling on all fronts, but they have an annual bonfire, which is an occasion to mark both the Cherokee National Holiday and Ray Ray's death. And this brings the family together and gives them an opportunity to speak openly about what they're going through. But there are other complications. There are some mysterious things that happen that sort of bridge the gap between living and dead, which involves a lot of Cherokee folklore and spirituality. And it just sounds really, really powerful and and incredible. So that's The Removed by Brandon Hobson. I read his book, Where the Dead Sit Talking, a couple of years ago. Really liked it. Similarly deals with um, a complicated family. Actually, the main character in Where the Dead, Dead Sit Talking is a teenage boy who goes into foster care because of his mother's struggle with addiction. And it's Brandon Hobson is is Cherokee himself. These are own voices stories. I also think that The Removed sounds like it would pair well with Love Medicine because it's this group of people, family members who are coming together because of a death. So I think that any of those books would pair well, but I would encourage people to pick up Where the Dead Sit Talking, which is Brandon Hobson's, I believe, his debut novel. Also out February 2nd is My Year Abroad by Chang Rae Lee. And he's very well regarded in the literary world, and he's an author that I have not yet read. And so I am really excited for, for this one. It's about a young man named Tiller, who is an American college student, not a particularly ambitious one. And then he meets a man named Pong Lu, who is a Chinese-American entrepreneur who kind of takes Tiller under his wing and they spend a year abroad. I mean, the book is called My Year Abroad. They spend a year traveling through Asia and Tiller kind of learning from Pong Lu, but also forming maybe a complicated relationship. And the book is about Tiller processing that year. And I think it's got dual timelines. So we like see it happening in in 
real time and then Tiller's reflection on it. It sounds just really interesting. I mean, it's not a campus novel, but it still has that kind of young adult trying to figure out their way in the world sort of protagonist. I have heard great things about all of Lee's books, and um, I hope to read On Such a Full Sea, which is one of his others, this month before this new one is released. It actually sounds like it would pair quite well with Black Buck, but I've paired it with The Idiot by Elif Batuman, which is another book kind of about a A young student doesn't quite feel like she belongs in her setting, in her university setting, and is taken under the wing of a wealthier classmate. So it's kind of a a different different mentor role, but a similar maybe construction and, and dissection of a relationship and the power dynamics of relationships. So that is My Year Abroad by Chang Ray Lee and The Idiot by Elif Batuman. Okay, I need to bring in some historical romance. Yes, please. Because, of course, <laughs> this one is Victorian. So, Ooh, okay. heads up. Love it. <laughs> it's called A Lady's Formula for Love by Elizabeth Everett. This is out on February 9th, and it sounds really fun. So, Lady Violet Hughes is our heroine. She founded a secret society for England's most brilliant female scientists. And she is using her skills as a scientist for a secret mission for the crown. So she's got a lot of secrets. She also has feelings for Arthur Neeland, who is a protection officer. He is very strict. Duty is the name of the game. But the more that he spends time with Violet and her secret society, the more he sort of loosens up a little bit. But there is a shadowy threat that comes into her laboratories and puts everyone in danger. And so Violet and Arthur have to work together to figure out what's going on, complete their secret mission, and of course, fall in love in the process. I think this sounds like so much fun, and it's the first in what is going to be a series, The Secret Scientists of London. I have to pair Veronica Speedwell with this, which is another really fun Victorian series. The first in the Veronica Speedwell series is A Curious Beginning by Deanna Rayborn, and they're just fun. Victorian mysteries to solve. Veronica Speedwell has a hunky mill sidekick, and there's a lot of will they, won't they romantic tension throughout the series, but it is significantly less steamy than your average romances. Veronica Speedwell is mystery. I'm going to recommend a couple of romances that feature historical lady scientists really quick. The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics by Olivia Waite features a female astronomist, and this is a lesbian historical romance, and it's based on real historic figures. And My Fake Rake by Eva Lee also features a scientist heroine. So those are some fun books to pick up while you're waiting for A Lady's Formula for Love by Elizabeth Everett. That sounds very fun. And speaking of lady scientists, your Next anticipated February release. I actually just read it this week. So (gasps) really, was it amazing? It was amazing, but I have some reservations, but I want everyone to read it and talk to me about it. So, well, that's, that's the name of the game. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm curious to hear. I'm really excited to read it just because I've heard really great things about Sarah Gailey and their work. I have one of Sarah Gailey's other books on my library pile right now. And so I've just been hearing really great things about about them as an author. So we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey, which is out on February 16th. And it sounds really fun. It is described as Big Little Lies meets Killing Eve and Westworld. 
and it's <laughs> supposed to be a thriller, but it is about clones. So Martine is a cloned replica of Evelyn and the clone Martine is having an affair with Evelyn's husband. Yes. So the cheating bastard, that's, that's the copy that is jacket copy. The cheating bastard is dead. And then these two wives have to clean up the mess. That's that's all I know because that's all that's on the jacket copy. So you can contribute what else you want to say about the book. Um, but I'll rattle off a couple of pairings and then I'm curious to get more of more of your commentary. So it sounds like Orphan Black, the TV show to me, which I loved that show. Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro would be like the literary side of things. And I think that Sarah Gailey has a sense of humor. So Big Little Lies feels like an appropriate pairing here as well. Not just because that's on the jacket copy, but what else would you say about the Echo Wife? I did not want to stop reading this. It is extremely compelling. And Sarah Gailey does have a great sense of humor. And I mean, similar to kind of what we were talking about earlier with Gillian Flynn and the push and thrillery books, fast paced books that are using really innovative constructions to comment on on gender and people's lives. The Echo Wife really does that. I well, I'm that's that's all I'm going to say. I really liked it. Um, I think it, it was maybe I, I also read Magic for Liars and love that's um another sarah gailey book really liked that one too my copy that i got my advanced copy i got in like january of 2020 and i almost wonder if there are going to be some edits made um Mm. nothing content wise or anything but just like some pacing or writing things that i was just i'm curious about. I don't know if I'll reread the new copy to hear, but I'll be here. I'll be curious to hear what you think of the pacing and stuff like that. But like I said, I couldn't put it down. Um, I thought it was so fascinating. Yeah. I'll let you know. I have Upright Women Wanted on my stack, which is basically like a little novelette novella by Sarah Gailey. So I'll be interested to compare that. I will also say I think the Echo Wife would be an amazing book club pick. Like I I really want to talk about it with someone and it just I mean there are so many interesting themes and interesting commentary that they're doing here and yeah, great book club pick for sure. I also put it on here cuz I would really like to read a little bit more sci-fi and fantasy this year. But Sarah Gailey's style of sci-fi and fantasy feels like the right fit for me, where it's not super detailed world building. It's not, it's not high fantasy. It's not super science-y sci-fi. But I think, I think it sounds really good. I will report back, and I'm sure we'll have a mini book club discussion about it I soon. can't wait. <laughs> well, and speaking of Never Let Me Go... Kazuo Ishiguro has a new book coming out in early March. Uh, March 2nd, Clara and the Sun comes out. And I'm just going to read a little bit of the jacket copy because this one sounds kind of hard to explain. So this is the story of Clara, an artificial friend, and that's in, in caps, with outstanding observational qualities, who, from her place in the store, watches carefully the behavior of those who come in to browse and of those who pass on the street outside. She remains hopeful that a customer will soon choose her. Claire and the Sun is a thrilling book that offers a look at the changing world through the eyes of an unforgettable narrator and one that explores the fundamental question, what does it mean to love? So, I mean, I love Kazuo Ishiguro. I love that he does not stick to a single genre. I mean, this one sounds most similar to Never Let Me Go, 
of his works, but Never Let Me Go was very much an outlier for him in terms of the type of novels he writes. And so I I just love that. I love when authors kind of mix up their genre. I think Sarah Gailey does that too. And it sounds to me like it would pair well with the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix, where um, there is a an artificial love interest. And yeah, I'm I'm excited though, because I've never read anything from the perspective of the like artificially intelligent character or being. And so I think that's going to be fascinating. This also reminded me of another book I haven't read yet, but Ian McEwan's Machines Like Me, which is also about artificial intelligence and artificial humans. And I just kind of love that these two British literary giants, Kazuo Ishiguro and Ian McEwan, who tend to write a lot of realistic fiction, are stepping into this literary sci-fi realm to kind of comment on where we are headed as a society. So that is Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. That's going to be a big, big release. Yes, I know. This is one of the, the biggest of the year. And this is the first book he's released since he won the Nobel. So I don't know. It's like a lot of pressure. pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. All right, Chelsea, what is your final winter anticipated release? All right. Get excited about this one, Sarah. (laughs) Okay. I am. (laughs) I just found out about this one when I was hunting for new release titles that excited me the most. And we haven't talked about any nonfiction so far, have we? No, we haven't. So this one is some literary analysis and criticism. Yes. It's called (laughs) Women and Other Monsters, Building a New Mythology. It's by Jess Zimmerman. It comes out March 9th. It sounds real good. Here's the little blurb, because I think this explains it better than I can. A fresh literary and cultural analysis that uses female monsters from Greek mythology to re-examine traits women are taught to suppress, arguing for a wilder, more monstrous form of feminism. My eyes are so big. (laughs) (laughs) I want that book. (laughs) So Jess Zimmerman takes 11 female monsters like Medusa, the Harpies, the Furies, the Sphinx, etc., And she takes us on a feminist journey through mythology, re-examining these monsters through a feminist lens and then sort of connecting them to these traits that they possess and simultaneously saying these are the traits that women are taught to suppress, but that we should harness like anger, greed, ambition, being too sexy or not sexy enough. And just basically saying women don't get to be monstrous and don't get to be sort of completely big and unrestrained. So I think that this sounds fascinating. I am definitely eager to read it. And yeah, it just sounds really good. Women and Other Monsters by Jess Zimmerman. And I suspect that this one might pair well with The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter, which we will be discussing on the podcast. So consider that a bonus pairing in advance. That sounds great. I just tried to request it from NetGalley while you were talking, but it's not. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not on there. Not on there. When I taught Women in Lit, one thing that we would do at the start of every year was read some myths and fairy tales to talk about female archetypes in literature. And I love this like kind of reverse look through the the realm of monsters. Maybe we'll have to do some sort of women archetypes class when we start doing classes, Chelsea. That would be really fun. All right, Chelsea, before we wrap up and say goodbye, I am so curious to know, what are you reading right now? Right this minute, I am about three quarters of the way through There is Confusion by 
Jesse Redmond Fawcett, and it's really good. I'm super excited to talk about it with you soon, and that discussion episode will air on February 2nd, so I'm in the middle of that. I am also listening to a couple of different books, but one of them I might want to pair with There is Confusion, so I'm going to keep it a secret for now. Oh, that's exciting. What are you reading? Well, as I mentioned, I am reading Outlawed by Anna North, and then I am also listening to Anna Kay by Jenny Lee, which is the YA elite Manhattan rich kid retelling of Anna Karenina. It is so freaking good. I I mean, I, I'm almost done. I think I have like two hours left on audio. Obviously, I know there are going to be some disastrous twists, although I think there's a sequel, so she might be extending things into a second book. But I'm ready to call this one of the best retellings of classics I've ever read. Ooh. It is so good. The way she transfers like the characteristics of all of these Russian aristocrats from the classic into rich teens behaving badly is so perfect. I mean, it is, it's so good. You have to read it. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get it on audio from my library since you're liking the audiobook. Yeah, the audiobook is great. Listeners, we would love to know what you're currently reading, or if you pick up any of the books that we mentioned today, follow us at Novel Pairings Pod on Instagram and tag us in your reviews or in your Instagram stories to let us know. You can also send us a note via email to novelpairingspod at gmail.com if you have questions, suggestions, anything else that you want to share with us. And of course, A big way to support the show is by sharing a recent episode with a friend or on social media. Those word of mouth suggestions really are the best way to spread bookish enthusiasm. Thanks again for all of your reviews on Apple Podcasts and keep those coming. They really make our day. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. We'll be back next week with an episode on 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hanf. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. Mm-hmm.